The Missouri Attorney General's office is one of the most important elected positions in the entire pantheon of state government, and Democrat Teresa Hensley is hoping to keep that office in the hands of her party. The Cass County Democrat joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, eight, seven, six, six five, five four, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair As to I say. I say, hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studios in St. Louis is... Colleague Joe Manis. And returning for the second time after her win in the Democratic primary for Attorney General, we have as our special guest today... Teresa Hensley. Thank you very much for coming back. We promised all the statewide aspirants when they came here in the summer that they could come back if they win the primary. We are following through on that promise. So we appreciate you driving all the way here to St. Louis. Um, So talk a little bit about the primary. You were outspent. Your opponent had more money to spend on television, but it was a pretty decisive victory on on your part. Tell me the secret behind your success, so to speak. Well, I think the message that we gave was important, and it, it is the same message in the general, that we have experience uh, more than my opponent. The experience in the attorney general's office, I think, matters to Missourians. They want to have someone in there who has been in a courtroom, has represented people, who has sat with victims, and I think the experience matters. I think it mattered in the primary, and it certainly matters in the general. One thing that I noticed, though, was that your opponent, uh, St. Louis County Assessor Jake Zimmerman was very gracious after he lost and has actually penned several uh, emails, not only not only endorsing you, but strongly endorsing you. That didn't happen, I think, with the Republican primary because the Josh Hawley, Kurt Schaefer matchup was took on a whole new level of rancor. How do you think that's going to help you that, you know, the, the party seems to be coming together around you a lot better? Well, no, Jake Zimmerman is a tremendous public servant. He's a wonderful young man. Uh, we had a, a great visit together here recently, and I appreciate his support tremendously. He, we, I look forward to what he uh, has in his future in Missouri and politics, and we'll support him all along the way. Now, we, we, we need to emphasize we're talking about Democrats here. I don't think we've used the D word yet. Yes. But, um, you know, Missouri is an odd state. Because um, technically, we often lately have gone for the Republican presidential but then we have a mixed record as far as down ballot. Most of the statewide offices now are held by Democrats. Um, Hillary Clinton's campaign just announced today they're putting in some money, about half a million dollars. And while it's geared towards the top of the ticket, it's GOTV efforts that actually, which means get out the vote, um, efforts that could help down ballot people such as yourself. And the attorney general's office is arguably the most important of the ones below Governor and U.S. Senate. Yes. So I'm just interested in your take on whether or not it helps or hurts having kind of a solid party presence from the top down trying to help you and other Democrats. Well, I think it certainly does. And I think it's good to be a woman on the ballot this year. So I'm happy to have that as well. I think that women voters are paying attention. And if they're paying attention to this race, uh, they understand what's really at stake. You know, I have an opponent um, who would defund Planned Parenthood, who would uh, has already said that he would overturn Roe versus Wade if he had the opportunity. Uh, he's against stem cell research. Uh, I think that women voters are paying attention, and they will matter in this race. Now, um, so far you have been somewhat outspent, but it may change in the final weeks. Um, 
how are you getting your message out? And of course, in the primary, you were outspent and you won anyway. So I'm, I'm just interested in your take on how you're approaching things in the final weeks. Well, I think, again, if you have a good message and you are smart about getting that message out, and that's what we're doing, and so uh, we may be outspent, but I think that if we spend our money wisely and we get it to the voters who need to hear it, uh, and they're paying attention, I think we win. And our message is better than my opponents. Now, one thing I've noticed is, and we talked about your race for Congress in 2012, I think that you actually are getting a lot of financial support from, you know, not only businesses, law firms, but also labor unions. So you're in a situation, unlike that other race, where you do have the financial wherewithal to get your message out. I've seen your television commercials many times. I, I watch the e evening and morning news just to make sure that I see them. It, I mean, that must be gratifying that you're not like basically pinching for pennies and you actually have the resources to get your message out as a statewide candidate. Is that fair, fair to say? It is fair to say. I, I do think that we uh, have some good resources. I have had uh, some tremendous uh, help from a good finance director. And so I am very fortunate to have the support that we have around the state. And I think that's important for voters to understand as well. My opponent raised $4 million from two sources. Uh, one gentleman from Joplin, David Humphreys, who is Mr. Right to Work for Less himself, and uh, from the Republican Attorneys General. My uh, contributions, uh, a little over $2 million now, have come from over 1,000 donors. And that is a difference. I think voters should be concerned that there is one man who wants to own the Attorney General's office. Now, is the Democratic Attorney General's Association, have they weighed in yet? They have. They yes, have. they have. Okay. Yes, they have. And they, well, they, I wanted to ask her. <laughs> well, if you look at the MEC, they, they are basically started a PAC, and, and there are various entities that are donating to that PAC, and right. then they're donating to you. Yes, that's how, by law, they believe it should happen, and that's what they're doing. Now, do you expect there may be independent ads either run a, on, on your behalf or against your opponent, or... Do you even know? I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. And you, and as a candidate, you have no control. And so I don't know what may come out because um, I am a, a big believer in, in being uh, fairly positive. My goal is to tell voters why they want to vote for me. Uh, and I think that my experience matters, and that's why they should be voting. Now, uh, you mentioned the, the uh, Planned Parenthood and some of the reproductive issues. What are other issues that you are emphasizing uh, and as far as your record, being a bit more specific. Yeah, let me talk about, uh, there's two things I think going on, and, and one of those is the experience. I, I've mentioned that uh, tremendously, but it's because my opponent has never been in a Missouri courtroom, has never represented a client or sat with a victim. And not only do I have the 10 years as the elected Cass County prosecutor, which I'll talk about, but I had practiced law for 14 years in private practice before I got to the attorney general's office, before I stepped foot in there. And in that time, I had appellate cases. Uh, as prosecutor, I had a, a case that I had to oust an elected official where I won that before the Missouri Supreme Court. So my opponent, who wants to talk about having done appellate work and having experience in, in civil litigation, um, I had that experience for 14 years before I walked into the prosecutor's office. And in the prosecutor's office, I had 21 murder convictions out of 21, hundreds of convictions for violent crimes like armed robbery and home invasion, and then over 500 cases of convictions on sexual assault, domestic violence, and child sex abuse. Um, those cases are not easy cases, uh, nor are the murder cases. And so I'm very proud of the uh, litigation work that I have. And uh, I have hired and trained and supervised attorneys to go into trial 
The Attorney General's Office has over 180 attorneys in that office going into court around the state day in and day out. And I think it matters that there's someone with experience. Now, I don't I know you're not going to divulge your secret plan to win here. But, you know, the current attorney general, Chris Coster, was Cass County prosecutor before you. And when he ran for attorney general against two people without a lot of courtroom experience, Mike Gibbons and Ed Martin, his ads pretty much wrote themselves. I have all this prosecutorial experience. My opponents don't. Is it fair to say that in the subsequent weeks, and there's not many subsequent weeks left, there's like three, it seems like there's 300 weeks left. We may be hearing that argument more comparing your experience to Josh Hawley's experience. Well, I feel like we've done that in both ads that we've put out. You know, I have uh, an ad that talks about the 21 murder convictions and the hundreds of cases that we uh, one being the people's attorney and, and taking care of those who are most vulnerable. Uh, this last ad, of course, uh, talks about my work with victims. And so, yes, I, I will continue uh, talking about my record because I think it matters uh, to be the people's attorney. And when you ask what sort of priorities are for the next attorney general, uh, I will continue to make uh, child sex abuse convictions important around the state. So one of the reasons we were able to make those sort of he said, she said cases is that we made them a priority. So we uh, were really strong on our victim advocacy, and we were strong on our training with law enforcement and children's division and first responders and school nurses, and how do we make these cases down the road. Uh, I think having that as the attorney general, if you're the top prosecutor of the state of Missouri, you ought to be talking about best practices with both prosecutors and with law enforcement. Now, um, your opponent has, okay, there's, there's two key pitches that he has regarding you. One, which you've alluded to already, but where, where he has emphasized his appellate experience and says that that's what the attorney general actually spends most time doing as opposed to being in the courtroom, and he says you lack that. And B, he has uh, made a, he has emphasized um, that he will take on the federal government on issues like the EPA and others where he thinks that um, the federal government is engaged in overreach. How do you address... What is your response to that? Do you think that the AG should be that involved in national cases? And also, I mean, what is your view of your appellate experience? Well, I do have more appellate experience than him in the 14 years that I was practicing law. As a young attorney in a law firm, he had only been practicing there uh, just over two years. I doubt they gave him some real responsibility while he was in that law firm. And then he became a law professor. So while he touts his experience, um, I question how much he had real uh, hands-on experience other than doing research in a law library. For 14 years, I was actually a lawyer in a private practice, uh, actually doing appellate work, and then in, in prosecutor's office, uh, handling a case that went to the Missouri Supreme Court. And so when you're looking at this office, it is the office that defends and tries to uphold every single felony conviction from around the state. So all 115 elected prosecutors, when they get their felony convictions, it is the attorney general's office that goes to the Court of Appeals to try and make sure they uphold that when someone is appealing their conviction. I think if you're going to do that, you ought to have at some point known why the prosecutor picked the jury they did. Why did the prosecutor use this evidence? Why did the prosecutor pick this witness over that witness? If you want to defend those cases, you probably ought to have done the work in the first place. And my opponent simply has never been in a Missouri courtroom or actually been in a trial. Now, I wanted to ask you about a specific issue that we asked uh, your opponent, and that is a proposal that would, whenever there is a situation where a police officer kills somebody, the attorney general's office would look into it and decide whether to prosecute it. It was actually one of the first recommendations of the Ferguson Commission report. 
as somebody who was a county prosecutor, I think that you could probably shed some light on this with a bit more insight, but I'd be interested to hear your opinion about that. Well, thank you for asking that, because as prosecutor for 10 years, I did have some of those cases. And, you know, there's two things going on when you're a prosecutor. One of them is that there is a legal conflict of interest, and you are to follow the law and make sure that you get a special prosecutor when you have those legal conflicts. The other is, as a prosecutor, you want to look at what is the appearance of impropriety. And so even though you may not have a legal obligation to ask for a special prosecutor, if you feel that there's an appearance of impropriety, you ought to be asking for a special prosecutor. Now, it is up to each individual elected prosecutor to ask by filing a motion with the court for a special prosecutor, and it is the judge who determines who they're going to send that out to as a special prosecutor. The Attorney General's office doesn't necessarily have any real strength other than just talking to that prosecutor and, and discussing whether or not they think it should go out. I, as an Attorney General, uh, would have those discussions. I think as a prosecutor, you sometimes uh, you need to, to really kind of st- take a step back and make sure that you're always doing the right thing, even when there's an appearance of impropriety. Now, one of the things I asked that we kind of didn't get to yet was, how would you address the federal government? Let's say if it's Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or whoever is president and their administration is pressing uh, certain regulations that maybe uh, rural farmers don't like. I, I'm just interested in your take on what you think the attorney general's role is regarding the federal government. You know, I have a record of making sure that the citizens of Cass County were well protected, and I feel that I'm well suited to do that as the Missouri attorney general. And so, yes, if I believe that there's a case that requires us to protect Missouri citizens, uh, farmers, uh, working people, whoever that may be, businesses, uh, absolutely, we'll take a look at that and make sure that we are giving every every case uh, the attention it deserves. And, you know, as prosecutor, I started out in 2005. We were filing 3,000 cases a year. By 2014, December of 2014 when I left, we were filing 8,000 cases a year. I had the same budget, the same number of employees from 2005 to 10 years later, and we still were able to give every case the attention it deserved and do, did that without it being political, without it being based on my personal views. Uh, we did it based on the law and enforcing the law. You know, my opponent has already said publicly that he wouldn't enforce the laws if it had to do with his own personal religious beliefs or an elected official's. Last September, he sent out a press release saying that he would support elected officials like Kim Davis in Kentucky, that he would do an attorney general's opinion in Missouri that said that elected officials would not have to follow uh, the law if it conflicted with their religious beliefs, with their own personal beliefs. If you want to be the attorney general and you want to be the top prosecutor of the state of Missouri, your job is to enforce the law regardless of your personal beliefs. Your job is also to remove any elected official that doesn't uh, enforce the law. And so here's a man who's asking to be the next attorney general who's already said publicly that he wouldn't enforce the law if it interferes with his personal beliefs. That's a concern. I have a record of doing the right thing, seeking justice time and time again, and doing that fairly and equally across the board. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I actually asked him directly. uh, It was a hypothetical, but the hypothetical was, and I've asked you kind of the reverse hypothetical when you were here. If somebody you know, in the Missouri legislature, introduced a bill and the legislature passed it, wiping out all restrictions on abortion, and somebody challenged it, would you, being Josh Howley, you know, how would you react to that? And I guess on our show, he basically said, well, my job would be to follow the law, even if I disagreed with that. I guess you're pointing to a specific instance that he did last year, 
where it kind of runs counter to that idea. Well, he's, that- he's done that again. He's publicly said this year that uh, there was a case where uh, one of the l- religious schools had applied for a grant to get public funds, and they didn't get them. And they didn't get them because there is a provision in the Missouri Constitution that says uh, that public funds will not be used for religious schools. It's in our Constitution. And yet Josh sent out a press release saying that he disagreed with that, that the school was being discriminated against and the religious school should have gotten the funds. Again, you've got to enforce the law. You've got to follow the law. So publicly twice he has said that he wouldn't enforce the laws of the state of Missouri if he were attorney general. Now, um, as you head into these final weeks, how you, you mentioned reproductive rights earlier. Do you think that that issue and other social issues may take a higher priority, let's say, in, I mean, or get more attention in the final couple weeks, in part because um, Hillary Clinton's at the top of the ticket, and there is such a sharp divide on that issue between the Republican and Democratic uh, parties and their nominees. Uh, Does that, is there a trickle down in Missouri on that? I think there is. I think that women are paying attention. I think women are concerned that who's going to represent them and what their views and their values are, and I hope also what their qualifications are to hold this office. Now, I've asked a similar question to your opponent, but if you are elected attorney general, you're going to be seen as the top law enforcement official in the state of Missouri. And this is a state over the last couple of years, which has seen wrenching issues with with a divide between law enforcement and African-Americans. Now, even if you're not the person to effectuate the policy, even if it's the legislature or local uh, police departments or local uh, city councils, People may still look for you to leadership and to provide just a sense of guidance about how to proceed. I'd be interested to hear what your philosophical approach is going to be to deal with this divide I just talked about and what role the the attorney general's office should play in in the public policy debate going forward. Thank you for asking that because I've been campaigning on that since a year ago last August because I think that the next attorney general has not only an opportunity but a responsibility to roll up their sleeves and to start talking about the tensions that exist. And so I have the Fraternal Order of Police endorsement. I will start November 9th uh, trying to bring people together to start talking about these very tensions. So when we look at Ferguson and we know what it has meant to the country, nationally they've been looking at Missouri and Ferguson. Uh, It would be nice to be the state as Missouri uh, that leads the charge throughout the country that brings folks together Uh, FOP and brings together Black Lives Matter, uh, clergy, elected officials, civic leaders, and says, what what do we want to do? Let people come together and start having those discussions. If you don't bring folks together, you never start that step. And so I would like to be that person. I think if you're the top law enforcement officer of the state of Missouri, you ought to be making that effort to bring folks together. Now, there are going to be some in the Black Lives Matter, the activist community, that see candidates with a fraternal order of police endorsement and may see that as a negative because they don't feel police unions are a force for for policy change here. I know you kind of alluded to it in your previous statement, but I'd like you to respond to people that may have those concerns and how you're going to be able to transcend that uh, expressed concern, essentially. Well, and, and that's the point, that everybody should have a place at the table. And so Black Lives Matter, FOP, law enforcement and, and FOP, um, you know, they do have a, a specific um, section of this. I think that Black Lives Matter have a specific section of this. I think uh, clergy, I think that elected officials, I think bringing civic leaders. You have some tremendous civic leaders in St. Louis area, some real pockets of inspiration, that if we can bring these folks together and we just talk about just coming to the table, 
Uh, we want everybody to have a place at the table. We want everybody to have the opportunity to be heard. And so I hope that they will all come together for that very reason, that they want to be a part of the discussions as we go forward. You're right, it's going to be a, a difficult uh, climb, but it is worth the effort. Is it worth taking that step? And I think if you're the top law enforcement officer in the state of Missouri, you ought to be ready to start doing that. Now, two other issues that have been broiling uh, in, in a couple other races, less so in this one. Um, what's your thoughts about what the Attorney General's Office should be regarding gun rights and also um, the Health Care, Affordable Care Act? What, uh, Coster had kind of an odd situation where he was defending some parts and uh, attacking some parts of the Affordable Care Act. So I'm interested in your thoughts on what the Attorney General's Office would, what role would be, if any, and then on the issue of gun rights. Well, let's talk about gun rights first. You know, I have um, an A rating from 2002, from the NRA. I've never belonged to the NRA. I've never been endorsed by the NRA. In 2002 to 2016, we're talking about a completely different community and society. And so while I support Second Amendment rights, I have a CCW permit that really isn't worth anything anymore, but I have a handgun that I keep by my bedside. I have a CCW permit as a prosecutor. I carried a gun as uh, a woman with a shotgun so I can do trap and skeet, and my husband has shotguns for hunting, I believe in the Second Amendment rights. But th this isn't an all or nothing. No one's trying to take anyone's guns away. Again, as the top prosecutor of the state of Missouri, I think you better be ready to start talking about prevention of gun violence. St. Louis and Kansas City cannot continue on the path they're on with the gun violence. And if you want to be the top law enforcement, top law enforcement officer of the state of Missouri, you're a statewide elected official. You ought to be talking about that and, again, bringing folks together. What can we do to start talking about this gun violence? Now, before you get into the Affordable Care Act, do you think that the Democratic gubernatorial nominee is doing enough talking about gun violence? The, you know, Coster has received the NRA endorsement, and he. I don't think he opposed the bill you were talking about with the CCW permits. I think there's some Democrats who are kind of concerned with his positions on, on guns. Are you one of them? Well, I think that this last bill that uh, was overridden by Nixon's veto is probably one of the worst bills that we could possibly have. We're the first state since Florida that has done a stand your ground. And, you know, it's not just the, the carrying the guns that concerns me. It is the stand your ground. As a prosecutor, former prosecutor, the stand your ground law concerns me more than anything, as does the uh, now being able to carry a gun if you have a uh, violent felony conviction. If you have mental health issues, I think all of those are a real concern. Uh, and, you know, I haven't had much time to think about what uh, Chris Coster is doing in his race because I've been so busy in mine. That's but, understandable. But, but I, I, I will tell you that as attorney general, uh, I will be talking about what we're going to do about gun violence. Now, to, to follow up on Joe's question about the Affordable Care Act or any mm -hmm. health care related law, I mean, I'm not sure how much litigation there's going to be on the Affordable Care Act going from 2017 on. But who knows? Congress may try to change it. There may be some elements of it that affect individual states that you may need to get involved in. What's kind of your, your mentality toward that entire huge federal law, basically? Well, the Affordable Care Act has actually put millions of people on insurance that didn't have it before. We know that it, it allows uh, parents to keep children who are 26 uh, up to 26 on their insurance. You know, when we're talking about pre-existing conditions, that, that takes care of that issue. So there are a lot of issues with this that actually work and are, are good and beneficial. 
And so if there are some things that we need to fix, then we need to be fixing them. And so I'm in favor of continuing to look at the Affordable Care Act and how do we make it better. As Attorney General, it's one of the things I hope to do always is be talking about best practices anyway when we're talking about handling cases and issues. And uh, we always need to be looking at things. How can we make them better? And so certainly the Affordable Care Act could probably be better, but it has put millions of people on insurance that didn't have it prior. And this was a question, again, I asked your opponent, and this may be something that you may have a little bit more insight in. Cass County is kind of a suburban, ruralish county. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that oftentimes the Attorney General's office gets ensnared in agriculture issues, whether it be federal or state. What's kind of your general philosophy and what's your general philosophy going to be toward the agriculture realm if you're Attorney General? And what policies would you want um, it, as much as you possibly can through the Attorney General's office to, to help farmers, ranchers, and anybody else in rural Missouri? Well, we do want to protect family farms. My father-in-law is from uh, northwest Missouri where he has hundreds and hundreds of acres of farmland. Uh, I have a brother-in-law who is a, a cattleman in uh, North Clay County. Uh, it's important that we are taking care and protecting uh, at the family farm, uh, just as it is every Missourian that uh, that has issues. And so uh, I'd be very, very uh, concerned about making sure that I am protecting their interests. Well, so at this stage, um, do you expect to see a... Would you be able to get your message out when there's going to be a flood of stuff from all these other candidates uh, for all these other races? Um, any, and also the campaign... Fi- finance restriction proposal that is on the ballot. Do you have a position on that? Well, clearly, I think we need some campaign reform. We we cannot continue allowing just unlimited funds to come in to one candidate from one individual. And uh, certainly, I'm in favor of, of caps. I think that it's important that we have caps. I'd like to see uh, 2500 for individuals and 25000 for uh, corporations. So it would be important, I think, to start talking about having some caps on on finance. It's, it's imperative that we start doing that. Does it concern you that this particular proposal doesn't cap local elections like municipal or county races like Cass County Prosecutor? And the reason I'm asking, and I bring this up all the time, is we live in an, a political environment where lieutenant governor candidates took million-dollar contributions. And when there were limits, people tried to get around them. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm envisioning a scenario if this this particular amendment is is upheld in court where candidates open up local committees, raise unlimited amounts of money in those committees, and try to use that the best way they can. Is that something that you would be concerned about, uh, for that particular proposal not being as effective because that's the way it's structured? I think we'd have to look at that, yeah, to make sure that we are doing everything we can. You know, when we're looking at local races, in Cass County, the judges are elected there. I'm a big uh, and just propon- to let you know, before you say anything else, the, the, there are caps for judicial races, yeah, but continue. Right. But, but when you're talking about having uh, judges who are elected, I'm a, a fan of the nonpartisan plan, the Missouri plan. I think it's important that we continue that. And I'd like to see that uh, for more judges around the state uh, because it does matter in Cass County. It matters with those judges in, in Johnson and Cass County who have to run for office. Uh, but, yes, I think that uh, when we're talking about state reps and we're talking about state senators and we're talking about prosecutors and sheriffs, uh, we need to have caps on those those races, regardless of the size of the uh, of the uh, amount of district that it covers. It's important that we're having a, a cap on those. Anything else you'd like to add? I would like to just 
just add to the voters that uh, I think this is a, an important race. I think the Attorney General's office matters to them. I think that the Attorney General's office is the people's attorney, and I want to be that attorney. I would be the first woman Attorney General in Missouri. Uh, I think it's time, but more importantly, I have, I believe, more experience than my opponent, and I have a record of seeking justice and trying to do the right thing time and time again and hold uh, you know, those who break the law uh, accountable and to carry that out equally to all people. I, I have a record of uh, taking care of those who would be the most vulnerable, whether it's seniors or women or children, and would like to continue what I did in a countywide uh, effort and do that statewide. We'll be watching the results of this race very closely. I say without hyperbole are, are, are trying to butter up the two candidates. This is one of the most important offices in the state of Missouri, and we're very grateful that both of the nominees traveled to St. Louis to tell the voters a little bit about what they do in office. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at... Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And how would we follow you on social media or any other parts of the internet? At TeresaHensley.com, T-E-R-E-S-A-H-E-N-S-L-E-Y.com. And I believe you can be followed on Twitter at VoteHensley, and I believe that you can also be found on Facebook somewhere as well. If you go to TeresaHensley.com, you can follow us on Facebook. Very good. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long.